I am here with Nicholas Pierce. I'm so glad about this. I'm at a conference in Hawaii. That's why Nicholas is wearing the lay. Absolutely. Good to be uh, with you, John. Well, it's wonderful to be with you. You you may already know about him, but if you don't, he has a master's and a PhD from Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. He also has a BS from right. MIT you got it. in engineering and management. Yes. Uh, with a concentration of religious studies at Harvard, for crying out loud, and uh, teaches. He's a best-selling author. Clients, like the list is so long, and you would know all of those names. Been in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, pretty much every media outlet you can imagine. He's doing this for nothing. We're not even giving him a coffee mug, for crying out loud. <laughs> Don't forget the Fuller degree. Oh, a Fuller, and, oh that's Fuller right. MA. Yeah, yeah. A, a degree from Fuller, and we're on the board together that's at Fuller correct. Theological Seminary. Thanks. So you can, you can fill in the other blanks that I'm leaving out as we go along. <laughs> So if you don't learn from this man, you have serious cognitive deficits. But uh, I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on board. And uh, I was just in a conference where Nicholas was speaking, and it was unbelievable. Another mutual friend, Dan Chun, said he just hit it out of the park. And Nicholas told me he would grade that sermon out at about a C, which is very depressing, because if that's a C, I'm not sure I want to hear an A. Uh, I don't think my ego could take it. But um, I asked if, if he would come on and share. We've been walking together through this book by Dallas Willard, Renovation of the Heart, as we're moving through the Lenten season. It's a time where uh, folks will kind of be on a journey to the cross, to remembering the crucifixion, and, and then eventually the resurrection. And uh, so Dallas has been a big influence on me. And Nicholas, you were saying you wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of rest. You had been going through Soul Keeping. Absolutely. Which is a book that I wrote, but was largely impacted by Dallas. No question about it. So I, I would love to hear anything you want to say about your life, your sense of calling, how you got here, and where the whole business of rest comes in for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was called to ministry when I was seven years old. Seven. Seven. Wow. Um, but I didn't think of it as part of my... Uh, career. I didn't think of it as professional in huh. professional terms. I just thought of it as part of my life's work hmm. uh, and went off to school, studied chemical engineering, as you mentioned, thought that career was the central organizing principle of life. And sophomore year, ran into a little situation in the lab experiment where, long story short, I recognized I cared more about people and organizational systems than chemical and biological systems. And that <laughs> began this pivot. Wow. Um, but part of the pivot um, toward ministry, towards management and leadership related um, pursuits was recognizing that I thought the object of the game was to be as productive as one could be in the pursuit of purpose, doing as many things mm. for God, as many things for human flourishing as you possibly could. And you just like work until you drop and rest was this kind of reward at mm. the end um, when you were burned out and when you had given the best of your service and when you had given your all, then you rest. So it's almost like it's a necessary evil. Absolutely. It's yeah. a necessary evil. It's something that um, the weak must succumb to needing, mm. uh, but the strong are able to thrive without. Uh, and once the pandemic hit, um, I was at a point in life where I had been through two degree programs. I finished my, my master's at Fuller. I had my PhD from Kellogg. I started on the faculty. I published a book entitled The Purpose Path. I had a child and I had not stopped. I'm getting tired just listening to you. <laughs> the Lord reminded me that 
just wanted me to rest, mm-hmm. to sit. And then the pandemic hit and I thought, oh man, well, how am I going to do this now? Uh, our church is in need of some real TLC because at that moment, uh, we were trying to transition to digital. And as the resident millennial, I'm the youngest uh, assistant pastor in the history of our church, 90 years. So I'm like the the resident millennial. And so I'm like, I'm the one who's moving Sunday school to Zoom and moving our discipleship to Zoom. And wow. so it's like, well, now is not the time to to press pause. And the Lord reminded me, I knew the pandemic was coming. I called you to rest. And mm-hmm. so I took a four-month sabbatical from the church and my life was changed. Wow. Wow. And uh, how did your life change? What happened? I mean, that must have been, uh, must have taken a considerable amount of uh, conviction, guidance, something to get you to take a step like that, which just kind of runs counter to your trajectory. Absolutely. It's counter to my trajectory. It's counter to everything I'd ever seen modeled. I'd never seen a sabbatical play out. Wow. Uh, The pastor I grew up under, pastor of the church 48 years. He went to Paris every summer. I never saw Bishop Arthur Brazier take a sabbatical. Um, He was working seven days a week. The church was open for business Monday through Friday. Um, There were activities in the morning. There were activities in the afternoon. There were activities in the evening. Saturdays, the church was open. He preached two different messages every Sunday. He was the diocesan bishop of uh, a state council that encompassed 80 churches. He was just like the Energizer Bunny. I never saw it. So I have a feeling a lot of people watching right now are intrigued to hear about what comes next, are feeling tired physically or emotionally or weary. What happened on that sabbatical? What happened in your soul? What was your experience of life and God like? I learned more even in the process of preparing for the sabbatical, hmm. right? The process of exit and preparing people for life in your absence, Um, helping people to recognize that they were trusted to lead in Mm. my absence, recognizing that I knew uh, that the sun would keep rising and keep setting every day. That uh, <laughs> that's kind of discouraging. Yeah. Well, well, no. It was actually quite quite encouraging. Uh, it, it was it was freeing. It was liberating. Yeah, yeah. Because in many of our traditions, we equate strong pastoral leadership with ever presence, <laughs> mm. right? And it was an act of faith to be able to step aside for for a time and mm-hmm. to prepare people for that. Um, there was a grieving process that went into it. And so I learned a lot even before I started yeah. in just the process of talking with leaders and preparing them for this time of Sabbath. Then, of course, given all the things that I'm doing, I, I'd like to achieve. And so I said, Lord, what exactly do you want me to do in the sabbatical? Like, what's the agenda? What's the itinerary? I need turn-by-turn instructions mm-hmm. of what to do. And God said to me, clear as day, John, God said, you don't get directions. You pull the car out of the garage and I will tell you when to turn. Wow. It's like, well, thanks. Thank <laughs> thanks. But the process of sitting, the process of being, and recognizing that God cared more about my being than my doing, that God cared more about my becoming mm. than my achieving, mm. it was liberating. And so I just decided in that time that after the sabbatical, whenever it would conclude, I couldn't go back to an old normal that was toxic and that was uh, diminishing uh, my flourishing. I, I remember reading years ago, uh, Henry Nowen, and he writes about how Jesus said to his disciples, it's good for you that I go. Yeah. And he talked about the idea of ministry of absence. Yes. And I've always, always thought about that as the ministry that will happen to the disciples 
you know, because they'll get to do stuff when uh, Jesus or whoever's not there. But as you're talking about that, it strikes me that, that another part of the ministry of abs- absence is the ministry that is going to happen in you or in me yeah. when I'm willing to be absent. That's right. That, that was that was a major lesson learned for me that God cares about me too, not just cares about the me that serves the people mm. or the me that allows the Holy Spirit to flow through me and the, the, the me that may be gifted or anointed by God for a particular work. God cares about me too. God cares about my soul. And the whole idea of soul keeping, right, and caring for the soul, um, it was huge because as a pastor, as a professor, as an executive advisor, I'm caring for the souls of other people, not recognizing that I was not prioritizing Hmm. the care of my own soul. And I thought, well, you know, the Lord will make a way. The Lord will provide. Um, But I I was listening to a a podcast actually the other day uh, when a therapist was saying, perhaps instead of the S on your chest being Superman or Superwoman, let the S on your chest be self-care or soul care, Hmm. right? And recognize that that is an act Hmm. of resistance, Hmm. right? Caring for your soul in a world that wants to equate your value with what you produce is an act of resistance and it's an act of confidence in God mm. that you are enough in him. So uh, we got to stop. We're uh, at the end. I love that last thought. Uh, the act of rest is an expression of confidence and trust in God that he can run the world when I'm not trying to run the world. And so wherever you are today, where's God calling you to rest? Where is God saying, uh, I got it, I got the world, I'll make the sun come up. What do you need to do to let Jesus restore your soul? Think about that today. Uh, Dr. Pierce has been wonderful. You do it again sometime? Anytime. Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining us. There are emails that go along with each episode. And if you'd like to receive those, you can go to becomenew.me slash subscribe. And there you can also sign up to receive daily text alerts. We'll see you next time.